Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A grim discovery startles scientists. And then we travel to Redding, California to investigate whether or not a cult is taking over the city. But this isn't any cult. It's a cult that can raise the dead. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had a lot of fun today. Let's go to Poland. Let's go to the year 2013, Poland. Bing! We're magically there. Carpenter Copter's in the shop. We're just walking around. A bunch of trees are surrounding us. We're hanging out with a bunch of bat researchers. These guys are hunting bats. So we're there. We have rifles. We're like, they're like, no, we're not hunting bats like that, dude. You lunatics. Why are you showing up with shotguns to blow these blow these bats away? We're like, oh, I thought that's what we were doing. We put our rifles and shotguns away. They're like, no, we're observing the like migration pattern. And then we just kind of zone out as they kind of tell us what they're actually doing with the bats. But while they are looking for the bats, this is what happened. True story here. They're hunting bats, they're searching for bats, and they know that the bats tend to hang out in this underground abandoned nuclear bunker, which is probably the four coolest words you can put together. And so they're in there, they're shining their flashlights, and the bats are... And they're like all flying out, all dramatically. There's some guy in the corner being like, oh, today's the day both my parents were killed. There's actually a thing called um, the Bruce Wayne Syndrome in the bat research community. They don't let orphans work with bats because they're afraid what's going to happen it's an actual thing don't google it don't look don't look it up but it's called the bruce wayne (laughs) what did i call it before the blue it's not the bruce wayne syndrome it's the bruce wayne clause they have it at universities bat universities they don't they when you go to apply for this joke's taking too long you guys got it it was dumb let's just keep going here bunch of bats flying around some guy in the corner going hmm what scares a criminal and the rest of the bat researchers are like, Ugh, again, another vigilante was born on this research trip as well. But as they're watching the bats fly around, something unexpected happens. Not the birth of a crime fighter. No, they expect that at this point. When they're walking around this bunker, they hear a... And they're like, what is that noise? Like, we get it. There's leaves and stuff on the ground. They're making the noise. It wasn't a goblin. The story doesn't involve a goblin coming up behind them. And they were never seen again. No. The crunching noise was from them walking around. They're like, that's weird. And they're looking around, making sure none of their their co-workers are eating Rice Krispies. None of them are. They're walking on ants. And they're like, okay, big deal. Huh? You let me finish. They're walking on one million ants. A million ants in there. They went in there to steady bats. And instead, they found a colony of one million ants in a pitch dark nuclear bunker and they're kind of scratching their heads and they're like hmm i wonder what what all these ants are doing in here i wonder they're also scratching their heads because bats keep landing in their hair but 
They're like, why are a bunch of ants in here? So they went and got some ant dudes. They went and got some ant scientists to come to this bunker. They go back to the university and they're like, hey, yeah, we did all our bad stuff, but you guys might want to go check this place out. And so this is what, this is terrifying. This is terrifying. So they go there. They're looking at ants. This is what they surmised. This is what they've figured out. Is that there's no queen down there. And they're like, that's weird. So this isn't an actual, like, ant colony. Because that would be fine. Million ants, big giant colony. They're living here. But here's the thing. There's no queen, which means they can't reproduce. Every ant down there is from someplace else. There's no food at all. People aren't dropping sugar cubes down there. There's no M&M wrappers. There's nothing. So the ants are surviving by eating other ants. There's no light down there. It's pitch dark. That's why the bats loved it so much. But the ants, you know, they can do darkness. They live underground. But, you know, they like a little light. They like a little sun sun on their back. No food. And to be fair, not having food or being able to procreate is more important than their ability to suntan. But for me, I wouldn't want to be trapped in the dark all the time. I wouldn't want to have to eat other humans, and I do like procreating as well. But those are the three biggies. So the scientists are like, "How? what is going on here? They don't have a queen. These, aren't, these ants weren't born here. Where are they coming from? They don't have food down here, so why would they be in here in the first place? And as the scientists are like, hmm, hmm, stroking their chin, an ant falls on their head. They're like, hmm? Where'd that come from? They flick it into the darkness and they hear it immediately being eaten by other ants. And they're like, hmm, now that I've gotten rid of that ant, now I can think about where are these ants coming from? Another ant falls on his head. He's like, hmm? The ants are falling through vents around the nuclear fallout shelter. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I was thinking the same thing. Why would you build a nuclear fallout shelter that had vents? Kind of defeats the purpose. You're like, oh. We're safe. Now it's time for me to breathe in some of that sweet, sweet irradiated dirt. But apparently, there are vents. Maybe there's some sort of weird filtration system that's broken down since 1960 when these things were built. But ants are falling from the surface into this bomb shelter. So what's happened? What they imagine? And, and there's a million down there. So what has happened is over... They're not all alive. A bunch of them are like half-eaten. So basically, it's probably 500,000 and then 500,000 half-bodies. But... The ants are falling through the vent into pitch blackness on top of hundreds of thousands of other ants. And just be like, where am I? Oh my god, I just up there getting a suntan, eating a little bit of a pear, getting ready to procreate with the queen. Next thing I know, pitch blackness, and he can feel his comrades crawling all over him. Ah, get off of me, get off of me! And it's basically sink or swim. Because you fall down there, those ants are starving. So if you can't immediately start fighting for your life... Fighting people with your pinchers, you are snapped in half by one of your own clan. Because all of these ants actually were from a ant hive, ant colony, on the surface. Because they ended up, the scientist goes, this is our theory that these ants are actually from the surface, from this other colony that's right by here. They built a bridge out of the bomb shelter back to the surface. And when the ants would found the bridge and they crawled up, they got to the colony, they were immediately accepted back into the colony. So all of the ants that were falling down in there were from the same clan, and you, you, you came super close to being food like that. Most of them probably did become food. And the ants that were stuck down there, they had no queen, they had no social system, 
All they could hope for was for another sweet, sweet brother to fall through that chute so they could gobble him up. And the scientists decided to leave the walkway there because they're like, this is just going to be an ongoing problem. Ants are going to keep falling through here. And now when they fall through here, they'll be in there for a little bit, and then they'll find the bridge and they'll be able to walk back up to the surface. Totally fine. But one thing they noticed as they were leaving, there was a group of ants who refused to take the bridge up. They wanted to continue to live their life in darkness, looking for a family member to fall through that hole. Gobble them up. I find this story terrifying. That story's super creepy. I think... You, and it's 100% true. There are still a bunch of ants down there that completely refuse. They're like, I don't want to live by the queen's rules anymore. I'd rather commit cannibalism than be part of the system, man. I'm not a cog in the machine. I'm a cannibal. It, I don't think I'm shocking anyone to say if that same type of situation happened with humans. If there was a thing where humans were falling into a giant pit, the first couple of humans would be like, oh, no, we're trapped in here. And you'd have a couple of people go into shock and a couple of people just kind of die. But other people would be like, we're going to survive no matter what. And as more humans kept falling in there, eventually they'd be like, well, we don't have any food. We're going to eat the newest humans. And then eventually a human would fall down there who was stronger than the existing humans. And he would eat him in retaliation, create a new social order. And you would have an entire, eventually, over enough time, you would have a culture that was built for the darkness, that was built for cannibalism. And if people were, and you're like, Jason, this is the dumbest analogy ever. You're You're saying there's a pit big enough for like 60 or 70 people to fall into, and they immediately devolve into cannibalism. You know what I'm saying. I think it's creepy because I can definitely see the same thing happening. Now, before we move on to our next story, I just want to remind my dear listeners a couple different ways you can support the show. You can support us on Patreon. It's in the show notes. We have a merch store in the show notes. If you can't do either of those, that's totally fine. You can give us a review anywhere you listen to the podcast, or you can promote the podcast, let your friends know you listen to the podcast. All four of those things help the show so, so much, they really help the show grow. Now, let's go ahead and move on to our next story. So we're leaving behind the forest of Poland. Before we start walking out of the forest, you're like, Jason, you really don't have any ants in your pocket. I was like, no, man, no. Don't. I pull my pockets out. You're like, your other pocket. I'm like, eh, pull a bunch of ants come out of my back pocket. You got me. I'll see you guys later. I throw a bunch of sugar. I'm like, replicate and call me your queen. And then we disappear. Walk through a portal. We're in Redding, California. So we're now in Redding, California. And you and I are walking down the street. You see me just scanning the ground. I'm like, where are my ants? Where are my ant brothers? And you're like, Jason, (laughs) stop looking for ants. I was like, "Ah." we're walking through Redding. You're literally holding my chin up so I can't look at the ground. And we see a giant church in the middle of the city. And it is Bethel Church. And you're like, so why did you bring us here? You're not taking me to church, are you? You're not going to pray to the great ant god. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'll do that later. Bethel Church, they have a huge music ministry, big internet presence, and a huge, some would say outsized presence in the city of Reading. The city of Reading has 90,000 people in it. And this church claims to have about 11,000 members. So that's over 10% of the population of Reading attends this church. At that point, a police car drives by behind us. You're like, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, it is weird. Let's walk. Let's keep walking through the city here. This church has been around for quite a while. And their claim, they have several claims to fame. They do have this big music ministry, but that's really not what we're going to talk about today. They have 
some beliefs that some would consider unusual. Now, I've talked about this before on the show. I'm a Christian myself. There's a lot of people who believe that my beliefs are unusual. That Jesus died, he came back from the dead three days later. That, you know, Moses parted the Red Sea. Those are all things. I don't believe... The book of Genesis, I think, is a total metaphor. I don't think that the story happened literally like that. As you get farther in history, I believe the New Testament. I believe that these things happen. So... And I believe the book of Revelation is a metaphor as well. So, but so just to let you guys know where I'm at. And you could say, well, Jason, that's ridiculous. Like, you're telling me that you believe people can actually come back from the dead. And, and, I, and I'll say, yes, that is part of my faith, that I believe people can come back from the dead. However, I think there's a limit to it. Now, here's the thing. There are, <laughs> that, that, and that's a key detail to this story. Because I want you to know where I'm coming from with this story. Because I'm going to be start mocking some of these guys' beliefs. And this is always an interesting thing when you cover religion, when specifically when a believer covers religion. At what point does a belief become completely bizarre? To a lot of people, the idea of someone being crucified, being put in a tomb, and then coming back three days later is completely impossible. And to me, I'm like, yeah, it may, it may have happened. I believe it happened. So when these people, when Bethel Ministry begins preaching that they can bring people back from the dead... It raises a lot of eyebrows. It not only raises eyebrows in the secular community, but even in the religious community. We go, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's happened like two, maybe three times in the Bible. Jesus brought a dude back to life. Jesus himself came back to life. And there's probably something else that happened in there that I'm not aware of. It's a big book. But it's super rare. So when a church shows up that basically says, you can do this too if you join us, just It's basically Revenge of the Sith. It's really what Palpatine promised Anakin Skywalker he could do. But this is real. This is a real place. And Bethel has this thing called the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And other people have called it the Christian Hogwarts. And so you're like, dude, if that's why you brought me to Bethel, so we could stand outside of a cult-like church and then go and visit their School of Supernatural Ministry... I'm totally down. You're like converting to Christianity. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not as cool as you think it is. I mean, it's cool. You be whatever religion you want. But don't don't change your life just because of a cool name of this school. So I looked into it, of course. I thought about attending it. And you have to be in Reading to do it. I was hoping they had online classes or something like that. But I also imagined you were like flying around shooting laser beams out of your hands. That's what it sounds like. Supernatural ministry gives you two powers. They're both fairly lame. One is the ability to heal people. And you're like, Jason, that's not lame. Doc, I'm a doctor. <laughs> I listen to your show. Are you calling me lame? First off, yeah. Secondly, yeah, sure, healing people would be cool. But when someone says they have magical powers, and then the power is basically can be replicated by a Band-Aid, that's not a magical power, bro. So they believe that they can heal people by laying hands on them. And they have the power to preach. Again, not a superpower. You can take a Speech 101 class in college and get that power as well. Now, they may have other powers in there. Some people are saying that they know how to walk through walls. One of the big things they do, and before you get excited, they can't. They can't do that. But they also do this thing called grave soaking. It's where you lay on the grave of a previous Christian religious prophet type of guy and you can soak up his energy. Apparently that was something from the Bible as well. I mean, the Bible has a lot of weird stuff in it, but 
apparently they think you can do this. Now, again, back in the Bible, Moses is throwing sticks down and they were becoming snakes and, and all sorts of stuff. There's stuff in the Bible that happens that doesn't happen in real life anymore. So the fact that in the Bible they're able to do something doesn't mean that you can be able to do it now. But that's one thing Bethel teaches, that if it was a miracle in the Bible, it's good now. You're like, Jason, who cares? These people are just walking around and they're telling people that they can heal people and they can lay on a grave. I mean, are they bugging you? Now, there's also been allegations that Bethel Church is taking over Redding, California. They're getting into the police forces. They're getting into the mayor's office, into city council. The allegations of them getting sweetheart deals because they're starting to gain political power. And I have to say to that, like, I don't endorse that. I don't think it's a great idea. But that happens everywhere. Every, er, everywhere does that. And it's unfortunate. But when if you, if you have a small group of people, and small being relative, you know, there's 11,000 of them in a city of 90,000. But when you have a group of people, you have to do one of two things. You can create a community or you can take over an existing community. And we see examples of that happen on the Internet. We see subcultures infiltrate existing forums and websites and within a matter of months they've taken over that forum or that website or they start their own and we see this in cities as well scientology's done this to clearwater disney's done it to like orange county you see corporations do it you see religions do it you see cults do it you see political organizations do it this is just something that human organizations do i don't endorse it But whenever someone tells me Group X is slowly taking over this community, I always say, I always have the same reaction. Well, that's just what people do. I don't endorse it, and and that might sound like an endorsement, but if it was happening in my community, I would, if I, and we did have that actually up here. In the Dows, we had the raw niches before I moved up here, however you pronounce it. We had that cult in the Dows that was trying to take over the raw niches, and I know I mispronounced it again, and they ended up spraying like E. coli all over the the salad bar. I've never covered that on the show because it's such a well-known... I remember reading about it when I was a kid in California. It was one of the biggest... I think it still is the biggest biological attack from a terrorist group in United States history. But the church taking over a city, allegedly, telling kids they can go out and spend a bunch of money and join this college and they'll get these supernatural ministry powers, the powers to talk and the powers to heal... And they've been walking all over the city whenever they see people in wheelchairs. There's stories of these kids surrounding them and being like, walk, walk, walk. And the old lady in the wheelchair was like, what are, what are you talking about? There was a story going around that some kid had an asthma attack. And they wouldn't call 911. They were trying to heal the kid. And the kid ended up having brain damage. I saw that story get passed around a couple times. I could find no news articles on that. You figure that would have been a big news story unless... The, even if they've infiltrated the news organizations of Reading, I think that story would have gotten out. There was another story about a guy who fell and or was pushed off of a cliff by a member of this uh, supernatural ministry school, broke his back and bashed his head in, and they didn't call an ambulance for six hours because they were trying to find him to heal him, and he sued them. And then the judge said, you can't sue them because they legally don't have to call the cops. And he lost the case, but he appealed it, and now he's actually going to try to sue him again. You want to go out, you want to pray in the street, totally fine. You want to tell people you can bring people back from the dead, whatever. It's not going to happen, it's totally bizarre, but whatever. All of that stuff being said, the reason why I know about Bethel Church, the reason why it really came to my attention, was because of Olive. 
Now, Olive was a little girl. This all happened super recently. December 14th, 2019. Olive Heiligenthal, Olive Heiligenthal, two years old, stops breathing and dies. The mom, Kaylee, she is a member of Bethel Church. The whole family is a member of Bethel Church, but Kaylee's a member of the church. She is in their music. She's done music with them as well, so her recordings have been out there and things like that. Very, very active in this church. She posts on Instagram after her daughter dies. And I'm going to read this Instagram post for you. We're asking for prayer. We believe in a Jesus who died and conclusively defeated every grave, holding the keys to resurrection power. We need it for a little Olive Alain, that's her middle name, who stopped breathing yesterday and has been pronounced dead by doctors. Absolutely tragic story. Absolutely a heartbreaking story. And if it was just there, yes, family in need, we need prayer, please be here for us as we're suffering from the loss of our daughter, all of that stuff. But this is where we continue. We are asking for bold, unified prayers from the global church to stand with us in belief that he will raise this little girl back to life. Her time here is not done, and it is our time to believe boldly and with confidence wield what King Jesus paid for. It's time for her to come to life. So that caused a lot of controversy online. But not at first. At first, actually, this Instagram post out went out to people who are supportive of Bethel Church. And people began praying for Olive and putting in the hashtag, Wake Up Olive. And the belief was, if, like she just said, enough people prayed that Jesus and all of his power and majesty would bring this two-year-old girl back to life and started to spread around the internet, starts trending, wake up, Olive, wake up, Olive. Just the com- those three words, just the combination of words is chilling. Wake up, Olive. Day three, if you're not familiar with biblical stories, Jesus died on the cross, according to Christian faith. Three days later, he came back to life. They went to go visit him at the tomb, and the, the big boulder that was blocking his tomb was moved away, and Jesus was no longer in there. There's a couple angels chilling in his tomb, and they're like, hey guys, you're too late. Jesus is out. He's taking care of business. So knowing that, now it's December 17th. It's three days after all of his passed away. Kaylee starts her Instagram post that day. Day three is a really good day for resurrection. And I I get it. I get it. This family has lost a two-year-old child. And you're hoping for a miracle. I totally get that. And I think you guys realize that I'm not busting a bunch of jokes. I totally get where that's coming from. Day four, next day, Instagram post starts with, day four is a really good day for a resurrection. I found out about this because when the controversy kicked in, because now we're on day four, People are beginning to get wind of this and saying this is this is suffer this is extending the suffering of this family and the family's like no 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 like this can happen the church believes that people can be brought back from the dead today there's a huge musical concert going on people are out celebrating praising the lord praying for olive to wake up December 20th 2019 they start planning the memorial service. The miracle did not come. Olive will not be resurrected. 
I don't want to criticize this family for wanting a miracle. I don't really even want to criticize the church. I think the church probably is more at fault for putting this belief in people's heads that people can be brought back from the dead. But I don't want to spend the last few minutes of today's podcast wagging my finger at someone who has religious beliefs different than mine. It's a tragic story. It involves a church that has bizarre beliefs, but not they're not telling people to go out and commit jihad. They're not telling people to go out and blow up abortion clinics. They're not telling people to do these unspeakable acts. They basically have a belief that's weirder than my belief, that's weirder than, uh, you know, two billion people's beliefs, but not by a massive long shot. The reason why I wanted to cover this story is because we look at paranormal, we look at conspiracy theory, stuff like that. What if it worked? What would happen to human society if it worked? We've had stories of people getting frozen in ice. They've been clinically dead for five hours. They're thawed. Not frozen in ice, but frozen. They're not a block of ice. They're not Captain America. But people who have been frozen, they're clinically dead. They're thawed out. They're back to life. We have stories like that. People who have been brain dead longer than we thought you could survive being brain dead coming back to life. We've had miracles. But being dead for three days, that has only happened once. And again, you could argue whether or not that even happened back then, but... What would happen to human society, to belief, to the way everything is structured, if this worked? Could you imagine the news that day? It would filter out slowly from the town of Reading. Olive was alive. Most people wouldn't even know the backstory at this point. Three days in, the controversy really hadn't started. But you would start to get wind in the news. A miracle had happened. And you could say, well, people who don't really follow religious news, they probably wouldn't know about it. But if your church succeeded in bringing back someone from the dead, you would make sure everybody knew. There would be doubters, there would be skeptics, there would be people going to Reading to see if it was actually true. And you'd have the local coroner, local police officers saying, no, it's true, she had passed away, and now she's back to life. Look at her, and you would look, there's a young girl playing in the yard. Now. Here's the thing, there are already suggestions, we've talked about them early in the episode, that the Church of Bethel has taken over the city of Reading. So skeptics would go, that, that's impossible. There is no way this girl could have come back from the dead. And we know this church is infiltrating the pillars of power, so who's not to say they already own the coroner, they already own the police department. It has to be fake. This can't have happened. But the story would still get out there. That a little girl died, and after three days of intensive prayer, she came back to life. It would change everything. It would change the entire course of human history. Because not only would you have proof that it's possible to die and then come back three days later, not only would you have proof of a faith of a billion people on this planet, you would have proof that it could happen today. You would have proof that all the ministers, all the clerics, all the rabbis of the world could talk about miracles all they wanted, but there was one church in Redding, California that could actually raise the dead. What do you think would happen to every other religion overnight if it was proven that this group of 11,000 people had the key to immortality? They had the way, the truth, and the light. Their prayers worked. 
Somewhere out there in the infinite sea of alternate realities, Olive came back to life. Somehow, some way, a miracle existed in the infinite expanse of time and space. She came back to life. And society completely restructured itself because a little girl defied death. Because a church worshipped and prayed so hard that all notion of science, all notion of established religions was broken over the course of three days. In that reality, so close to our own, Olive is alive again. In that reality that's so close to our own, every religion has just formed into one, the one religion that can provably work, the Church of Bethel. In an alternate reality so close to our own, you have a church that doesn't work on infiltrating local government, but has already infiltrated the governments of the world. Bringing Olive back wasn't just about restoring life into a two-year-old girl. Bringing Olive back was about proving that Bethel was the one true religion. Was proving that only they had a direct line to God. Performing the greatest miracle of the modern age proved that the Church of Bethel was the only true religion. One world, one religion, one miracle. And in that reality so close to our own, it's the perfect place for another biblical figure to make his appearance. The Antichrist appears in that world. Not all miracles come from God. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.